Pray with me, please. Dear Lord, uh, I pray for uh, the words that you've given me. I pray that you would help me get out of the way and that you may shine and that your word may shine tonight or this morning. Uh, I pray that you would please guide us in all that we do and especially in our work as we focus on work today. We pray that you would help us to glorify you with our time and with what we do. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Happy 2018, everyone. I hope all of you had a wonderful Christmas time celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to live a perfect life, lay down his life on a cross in our place for our sins. Karen and I have been gone the last two Sundays celebrating Christmas with our two families. It was a wonderful time to get together and with each family, but as we all know, the more people that get together in one place, the easier it is to rub shoulders the wrong way and the harder it is to have like-mindedness. So let me know if any of these scenarios found, sound familiar to you. So you're with your family and friends, you're having a great time. However, it's getting to be late afternoon and you are starting to get hungry. You know that a nicer meal is planned and that it's going to take a little bit longer to get the food ready than normal. So you pose the question, anybody know uh, what time we're planning on having supper? Everyone looks around, oh my, look at the time. Oh, uh, is anybody else hungry? People say, not me, not me. I'm good. No, we're good. And then all of a sudden, you realize they've been snacking all afternoon, and you are the only disciplined one here, and you are getting very hungry. And so now, supper is being pushed an hour later than what it should be. Your kids are going to start to get cranky and hungry, and you start to get grumpy because this is not the way things are supposed to go. These people are only thinking for themselves, and they're not thinking about what's good for me. Here's another one on the other side. You're hosting the gathering, and you have a, you're in charge of preparing the food. You have everything planned out, every side dish, every type of glass and silverware, every bowl, and there's lots of bowls. You may have gone a little overboard, but it is always worth it in the end. You're slaving over the meal, trying to get everything timed, warmed, so it all comes out at precisely the right time. And there they are, just sitting on their keisters, watching football. Not helping at all. Completely oblivious that you are working up a sweat to serve them. Don't they even see what you're doing is much more important than what they are doing? And now the gravy's burning, all because you don't have enough limbs. This isn't the way that it was supposed to go. Those lazy bums are only thinking of themselves instead of what they could be doing to help you. How about one more? You have young children and are at a family gathering. Everything's going great until inevitably something happens and your child starts acting up, and now you have to be a parent. Doesn't this child know that this is the time for relaxation and fun, not for parenting? They are supposed to behave, and you are supposed to be able to be a regular adult and enjoy your time. This is not the way that things are supposed to go. 
Your child is only thinking of themselves, shocking, and not about what you want. Well, I hope all of you have been able to experience at least one of those in your life because even though it's not fun, it will help place you directly into our passage today. Please turn with me to Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. This is a story when Martha invites Jesus and his disciples into her house and her sister Mary sits down at Jesus' feet. Follow along with me, Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We can see that Martha is working her tail off, because when you invite Jesus in, you're not just getting Jesus. At least you are getting his 12 disciples. One visitor in your house is one thing. Thirteen visitors is a whole other ballgame. And Martha knew what she was getting into when she invited Jesus in. She was getting into a lot of work. So this brings us to our outline in point one. Work is good. However, it can cause us to focus only on ourselves and what we feel needs to get done. So don't become distracted and miss your purpose in life. Work is good. However, it can cause us to focus only on ourselves and what we feel needs to get done. So don't become distracted and miss your purpose in life. First of all, this Mary and Martha are the same Mary and Martha who are written of in John chapter 11. They are the sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus raises from the dead after being in the tomb for four days. These are the ones that John 11:5 says that Jesus loves. This is the same Martha who believes that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, even before he raises her brother from the dead. This is the same Mary, who when Jesus saw her weeping for her brother, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled and then wept. Jesus loves this family, and this family loves and believes in Jesus. This is the house that Jesus is entering when Martha welcomes him in and his disciples. And as I said earlier, Martha had an idea of what she was getting into when she welcomed Jesus into her home. It is also likely she had expectations for others in her home, mainly Mary, but that she did not communicate those expectations of helping to Mary. And we can see that because Mary doesn't even think of helping. Because the first time we are introduced to Mary, she is already at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. And then the Bible says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. There's a lot here in this sentence. First, it starts with, but Martha, showing us that these two sisters are going to be compared to one another. Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet, and Martha is working to serve the Lord. Both are wonderful things to be doing. Both are necessary. Both 
have their place. In fact, serving in this case does not just mean being a busybody, just working to get things done. Instead, this word is the word for ministry. Martha was distracted with much ministry, much hospitality. And we have a wonderful hospitality ministry here at Mount Free, and all of us have been positively impacted by it. Whether it's snacks before and after the service, a card in the mail when things are tough, a special potluck during the holiday season, a flower when a child has been dedicated, or many other ways, our hospitality ministry has joyfully served us and blessed us. Now, the Bible says that Martha was distracted with much serving. I have found that to be true of myself when Karen and I are in charge of serving snacks on Sunday. So I asked myself, does serving snacks on Sunday cause me to be distracted from worshiping Jesus Christ? And the answer comes back as a resounding no. No, it does not cause me to be distracted from serving Christ. Instead, I allow myself to be distracted from serving Christ and worshiping Christ by putting some expectations upon myself. So these are some expectations that I put on myself that I thought were unwritten rules of serving snacks. I thought that when service starts, that I should still be in the kitchen and helping those that are coming in late. However, by doing that, I am missing the first couple of worship songs. What happens is that my heart is not in the place to worship Jesus with the body of Christ, and I am placing Jesus second to a task, just like Martha is doing. Instead, I should prepare the food in the kitchen as much as possible, set out extra before the service starts. And then when the countdown on the screen starts, I should be heading into the sanctuary, ready to sit down, preparing my heart to worship Christ. And those that are coming in late can still grab a snack if they want. They don't need me. Another expectation I had was after the service. I thought I needed to duck out early to make sure everything was in place for when they exited the sanctuary. However, by doing that, I was missing the benediction or ducking out of the last song. Again, my heart was not worshiping Jesus with the body of Christ. I was placing Christ second to a task. Instead, I should stay for the whole service. Force myself not to think of the food and what I need to do when I go out to serve, but instead focus on Christ and the worship service with fellow believers. This passage gives me freedom from these unwritten expectations. Instead of feeling trapped by tasks, I can slow down and I can worship Christ and serve the body with my whole heart. People will understand if things take a bit bit longer after the service. That is okay. Worship and where your heart is, is the most important. So I hope this passage also gives you freedom from these unwritten expectations that you place upon yourself if you struggle in this way. The same thing goes for serving in your own home. Things do not need to be extravagant. They don't need to be perfect when you have people or guests over. Serve and honor your guests, but don't disappear into the kitchen for hours on end preparing a feast. Your guests want to be with you. They want to talk and interact with you. A feast is nice, but so is a modest meal. It is the company that makes the time rewarding and meaningful, just uh, not the food. So let Jesus free you from these unwritten expectations that you place upon yourself. 
So in our passage, Martha isn't interacting with her guests at all. Instead, she's distracted by much serving. Her guests want to be with her, but she's distracted. She's drawn away. She's overoccupied. She's too busy. This is not how we are to be. And again, what matters in this situation is the heart. If you have been part of this church for any time, you know that we preach about the heart because that is where true change in our walk with Christ happens. This is where sanctification happens in the heart. Christ gives us new hearts. So we are really comparing two hearts in this situation, Mary's heart and Martha's heart. So in verse 40, we see a glimpse into Martha's heart, and it isn't good. Verse 40 says, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha was fed up. She was fed up that she went to the God of creation, the God who holds all things together, and laid the blame on him. Do you see that? Martha blames Jesus for not telling Mary that she is in the wrong. She says, Lord, do you not care? Does the Lord care? Of course the Lord cares. But Martha can't see that. Who is Martha thinking of right here? It says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha's only thinking of herself. She's serving everyone, but she is only thinking of herself. Martha is telling Jesus to stop his teaching so he can correct Mary. Tell her to help me. Direct her. Command her. Martha is completely focused inward instead of serving others by focusing outward. So this is what work can do if it upsets what should be of first importance. It twists things around and gets us focused on what we want to get done instead of our purpose of serving and work. Our purpose is to give glory to God in all things. And how do we do that? Well, we need to look at our perfect example in Christ. In Philippians 3 or 2, verses 3 through 17, it says the following. It says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That is how we're to serve. In humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Martha was looking at herself. Look to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. That's what we need to do. Make ourselves nothing. Take the form of the servant. Jesus was born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, here it is, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
So do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. You will look very different if you do all things without grumbling or questioning. So we need to hold fast to the word of life so in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. This is how we are to work, with humility, looking for the interests of others, without grumbling or questioning, holding fast to the Bible, and all this work, no matter what it may be, all this work is done to the glory of God the Father. So this brings us to point two. Work is good. However, it can cause us to focus only on ourselves and what we feel needs to get done. So don't become anxious and troubled. Work is good. However, it can cause us to focus only on ourselves and what we feel needs to get done. So don't become anxious and troubled. Look at verse 41 with me. Jesus is now responding to Martha. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha has just gotten done telling Jesus what she thinks the right thing to do is. And Luke gives us one word to show us that Martha is in the wrong, not Mary. Luke writes, but, but the Lord answered her. Right away we know that this isn't the response that Martha is looking for. Martha is expecting that Jesus is going to stop his teaching to correct Mary. Instead, Jesus stops his teaching to correct Martha. Jesus didn't do what Martha wanted him to do. Jesus responded in the way that he did because he could see what was going on in Martha's heart. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I love how he says Martha's name twice. Martha, Martha. When you say someone's name twice, it slows everything down. It brings a sense of calm to a high-stress situation. Martha has been working hard, moving fast, distracted with much serving, and Jesus slows her down. He does this to allow Martha to soak in what he is going to say. When we are busy and the energy is high, it is hard for us to listen to others when so much needs to get done. Jesus calms her down, gives her a glimpse into her heart. He tells her that she is anxious and troubled about many things. We know in this context she is anxious and troubled about serving and how Mary is not helping her. However, let's open this up and see what the Bible tells us about being anxious. The most common passage in Scripture about anxiety lies only two chapters away in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 31. Jesus has just finished telling the parable of the rich fool who stores up treasures for himself on earth instead of being rich toward God. Then it says this, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. 
They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. In this passage, it tells us not to be anxious about your life with eating, our body, or clothing. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, some of us may say, I can't help being anxious. I'm an anxious person. Is there anything I can be anxious for? The Bible says yes. Thank the Lord, yes. There are things to be anxious for. In 1 Corinthians 7, 32-34, it says what to be anxious for. I'm not going to get into the marriage part of it. I want you to focus on what Paul says to be anxious for. So Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body, in spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I hope you heard what you can be anxious for. To be anxious for things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, how to be holy in body and in spirit. These are what we need to be anxious for. So if you are an anxious person, great. Pray that the Lord will turn your anxieties toward things of the Lord. Pray that he will help you focus on such things. Philippians 4.8 is an excellent verse for the anxious person to memorize. Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Focus on these things can help you be holy in body and spirit. This is the formula that the Lord has given us to think about so we can be anxious for the things of the Lord. It will keep us from being anxious and troubled by things of the world, like Martha was, and help focus our gaze on Christ. Last point. Work is good. However, it can cause us to focus only on ourselves and what we feel needs to get done. So sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Work is good. However, it can cause us to focus only on ourselves and what we feel needs to get done. So sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Starting in verse 41, it says, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by me, about many things, but one, or, but one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen this one thing. So what is the one thing that is necessary? Charles Spurgeon puts it this way, and he said it so clearly that I made it my third point. He said very clearly, the one thing 
is to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. That is the one thing that's necessary. So what does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus? It says that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. And we have seen this before. Just a couple chapters ago in Luke 8.35, after Jesus had driven out the legion of demons from the Gerasene demoniac, it says, The people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. This man's first instinct after he had been healed was, and freed was to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn. I hope that's your first instinct, to take a position of submission and learn from Jesus. In Acts 22.3, Paul is speaking and he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. Here Paul is letting us know that he was sitting at the feet of Gamaliel and learning from him. So we have two stories, learning at the feet of another. The Gerasene demoniac at the feet of Jesus and Paul at the feet of Gamaliel. Now neither of these men stayed at the feet of their teachers. They eventually left. And let's see what each of these men did. Paul went out and persecuted when he was Saul. He persecuted the Christians to the point of death. The garrison demoniac went out and proclaimed throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him and spread Jesus' word. This shows us that we must be wary of who our teachers are. We are sitting at the feet of someone or of something, and we will spread the gospel of that no matter what it is. And we must be careful to make sure that it's the gospel of Christ and not the gospel of the world. As I said before, these men didn't stay at the feet of their teachers. Eventually, they went out. So we can't just sit at the feet of Jesus day after day, reading the Bible, reading books, without going out and sharing the good news of what Christ has done to save us from our sins. Do we need to be grounded at the foot of the cross? Yes. And Jesus also calls us to open our mouths. He has called us to make disciples of all nations. So I'm calling you to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary. Learn from Jesus by reading your Bible every day. We are at the start of the new year. So it is an excellent time of year to start a Bible reading plan to read through the Bible in a year. If you need any suggestions on a plan, I have plenty I can offer you. So learn through reading through the Bible and other materials. We are getting a lot of excellent resources in our library right now. And the whole list of books that we had in the foyer that you could donate, have been donated. It has been a huge blessing, and I want to say thank you to everyone who donated. This was a huge gift to the church. We need to not waste this gift and learn about God through these books. However, as I said before, we can't stop there. I'm calling you to get on your feet, to go out and proclaim what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done for them So hearts will be changed by the Holy Spirit and revival can come to the West Tonka community. And this all starts at the feet of Jesus. And lastly, our passage says, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What is this portion that she's chosen? 
Well, Diane read Psalm 16 for our scripture reading today, and in verse 5 it says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Mary has chosen the Lord, and he can't be taken away from her. When Jesus saves you, he can't be taken away. He has you, and he holds on to you. If you come here today and you have not placed your trust in Jesus, if he is not your chosen portion, then I call you to stake your life on his. We have this huge problem in life called sin, and there is no solution for it outside of Christ. Jesus was born into the world to solve the problem of sin by living a perfect life and sacrificing himself on the cross in our place. He rose from the dead to show his victory over sin and death. So when we stand at the judgment seat, and there is going to be a judgment seat in front of the Father, he will look upon our face. The Father will see the perfect face of his Son standing in our place so that we may live eternally with God in heaven. Put your trust in Jesus today. Be born again in the Holy Spirit and you will have this blessed assurance that Jesus has saved you. And when we let Jesus be our portion and cup, Psalm 23 says that our cup overflows. Jesus is more beautiful, more satisfying, more glorious, more joyful than anything this world has to offer. Jesus isn't just a trade-up from this world. He is the best trade deal that will ever come around, and he is standing at your door and knocking. Will you open the door, sit at the feet of Jesus, and start living your life to the full? Amen.